dumb idiot. Looks like you got yourself a saucy hand. Yeah, I do. Try yourself a Picasso boneless wing. Maybe next. Mom? Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Folks, welcome into a new edition the crowd assist podcast i'm your host today kevin missary i am here with meerkat as always mike bunt in the bottom left and mark schofield of pat's pulpit and the nfl wire mark love having you on every single year twice a year um and had a down year last year for for patriots fans on the patriots side the only the rebuild took 14 months mark how does that feel we're gonna start right there it, it, it feels pretty good but i gotta say after watching the intro doesn't feel I like as I get the, a, a Sunday up at the Bills Stadium look, man. That looked like fun. Oh, like promo you guys cut there. I want to get up there for that. But no, I mean it, it's been a bit of a shocking turnaround. Um, I mean, obviously, look, they spent a ton of money this offseason. And so, you know, they they liked a lot of what they had added. But I mean, you know, you would talk to anybody around this organization over the summer into the spring, and it was like, Yeah, we feel pretty good about 21 of the 22. It's the 22nd one, which happens to be quarterback, which is a big deal, obviously. You know, that was unsettled. Um, Mac ended up winning that job. Belichick decided, look, we're going to burn the boats. This is the guy. We're not even going to keep Cam. We don't want to open up questions. We don't want to have it be a situation where he struggles in week one. And, you know, you're going to move to Cam. People get asked questions in the locker room. And Mac's come along pretty well. I mean, I, I think, you know, he's a good rookie quarterback right now. I mean, this talk that he's like one of the best quarterbacks in the league or whatever, like that's far too premature from where I sit, but he's doing what they're asking him to do pretty well. Uh, will that be enough for them Monday night? Will that be enough for them into the playoffs if they make the playoffs? That's That remains to be seen, you know, because at some point, look, a team is going to load the box with nine, say you're not running on us tonight. You're going to have to throw to win. And that might be Monday night. You know, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, I'm sure are going to look at this game Look at what the Patriots want to do. Look at the weather forecast, perhaps, because we might get a little bit of snow and say, look, Matt Jones is going to have to throw to beat us tonight, and we're not going to let him. We're going to see if he can do it or not. So it's been fascinating to see them turn it around this quickly. Um, But they've also played some pretty easy easy games. I mean, you get Carolina, which Sam Darnold throwing three picks. You know, they get the Jets. Um, They get a Derek Henry-less Tennessee Titans team. A Baker Mayfield Browns team with Baker banged up. This is going to be an actual real test for them. So it's one of those sort of measuring stick type games. Okay, they've won six straight, but can they beat a good team on the road when it matters? Yeah, and I mean, I think the biggest thing for Bills fans to understand here is that like we play the same schedule, right? So for the most part, outside of the Browns, um, the Bills get the Steelers. um, They get the Chiefs um, inside of the Chargers and um, the Cowboys inside the the Washington football team instead of the Cowboys for in your case. You guys take the harder game there on the Patriots side. But um, so other than that, though, it's very similar schedules and it does turn out to be pretty for both of us fairly weak. Like it's just Mm -hmm. not a good schedule all the way around. 
we've caught the Bills sleepwalking in similar games um, in, in, the, in these games. And maybe early on, the Patriots are still trying to figure some stuff out too. So what's interesting to me, Mark, is what is your opinion of that schedule talk? I had to ask you from someone else in the division. Do you think it matters? Obviously, you play what's in front of you. Any coach will say that. It's, this week's the most important week, whatever the line of the week is. But what's your opinion on the schedule? Like, if you think well, – it could even be the Bills, but we'll talk about it, the Patriots here. Whether it's the Patriots playing the schedule, do you think there's something to the schedule being weak, helping out um, the Patriots, especially we'll talk about the winning streak? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is something to that. Of course, there's a flip side, which is – are you going to be ready when you get to December, when you get to playoff type football? Like when you get into a game when the other team is just as good as you, like, are you going to be able to overcome that? Are you going to be able to deliver in those moments? I mean, I think you could look at from New England's perspective, the two games they had, the Tampa Bay game, the Dallas game where they lost those games, but it was like, they hunt around, you know, they could have won that Tampa Bay game, which was obviously a, a circus type environment. Brady's return to Foxborough and all that. The Dallas game that gets to overtime, like, you know, you never, there are no moral victories in the NFL, obviously, but, you know, you think back to the start of the Brady Belichick era when they had that game, the regular season game Sunday nighter against the Rams, when they lost by a touchdown, but they felt that night, look, I know we're just, you know, five and five right now, but we can play with these teams. Like, you know, sometimes there is something to be learned and gained from, you know, a, a loss like that. So there have been moments where, yeah, you know, they played a little bit of a, a tougher team and they didn't win, but they might have learned some stuff. I think having some of those easier games as well, like they had at the start of the year, allowed Belichick to figure out where they wanted to be, right? Earlier in the year, they're playing a lot of man coverage in the secondary. That's where Belichick likes to live, cover one. They're his own team right now. You know, th th since that Dallas game, really, they've become a very heavy zone team, sometimes just a handful of snaps in man coverage, whether it's zero, one, two man. There's a heavy zone team. And, and that starts with what they've been able to do up front, get pressure with four, the presence of Matthew Judon. But you know, back to the schedule, I think there's two sides to it. It allows you to figure some stuff out, get yourself right. But are they going to be in a position Monday night at Buffalo, down the road, if they get into the playoffs where they've been tested? That remains to be seen. And we have some stats for you here. Um, so you you're, you just actually went to my question. 58% of fifty eight percent of snaps in one high shell. Um, is that... Is that altering? Also, you have man coverage, 33%, second most in the league. Obviously, you've touched on that. Um, you know, so what what's going on there defensively? Is it a change? Is I mean, because that's bills aside. I mean, that's that's how teams mm -hmm. play the bills. I mean, you know, it's with too high. Yeah. Um, they're, they're transitioning from man. It's just not a smart move to play Josh Allen like that. But what's – talk to me about the Patriots in general before the bills. Like, yeah, is there I a mean transition there? There is. I mean, you look at earlier in the year, it was very heavy. I mean, I've got the numbers just out of reach. If I dip over for a second here, I can pull them up. Yeah, but like we're talking Get about, that dip on. Yeah, I mean, you're talking dip about right a team that, like, for example, um, against Atlanta a couple weeks ago, they had 25 dropbacks in some kind of zone coverage, just six in some kind of man. Whereas you look back that Cowboys game, 23 snaps in some kind of man coverage. So they were very heavy. They had 29 man coverage snaps against the Buccaneers. You're talking about five against the Chargers, six against the Panthers, five against the Browns. Like it's really sort of nosedive. Belichick wants mm. to play cover one. Like that's where he wants to live. That's his coverage because he thinks you could do different things with it. You know, obviously you could take it with it a bit. You can go robber. You can do a one double. You can do cones and things like that. Mm. Um, but since then, and after that Chargers game, Justin Herbert came out and said, look, 
we weren't expecting this. They were playing a lot of cover two, cover four. Like we weren't really expecting that. They've kind of moved in that direction. Now, whether it's Belichick looking around the league and saying, hey, this is what teams are doing to the Bills. This is what teams are doing to the Chiefs. And we got to figure out if we can do that. Whether it's the guys that they have, obviously the Stephon Gilmore trade, you know, maybe they feel we're a better zone team coverage wise. Maybe they look at the guys up front. They can get pressure with four, with Judon, with Barmore, and what they've got up front. So they feel comfortable dropping in the zone. Maybe it's a combination of all three, but they've really sort of moved in this zone heavy direction, mm-hmm. which you could say, look, it's Belichick figuring things out, what his team does best, or perhaps what the league needs to do against some of these great quarterbacks a combination thereof, but they've trended heavy in zone coverage in recent weeks. Talking about that, Mark, with the zone, um, Patriots leading the league in interceptions right now, 19 as a unit. That's crazy. I mean, Bills are at 16 second, but 19, really impressive. Do you see that as, you know, the front four, Matthew Judon, especially getting that pressure? Do you see it more the transition to zone? These guys may be a little more free to be aggressive, make plays on the ball. Uh do you just like what do you see on that with like yeah. you know that that real hike in interceptions? Yeah, year? I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things here. I, I do think that the zone coverage allows them to keep eyes on a guy like JC Jackson is very you know he has just has that nose for the football, similar mm-hmm. to Dejavius White, who unfortunately is injured, but such a great corner. I mean, you know, you have that nose for football, and when you're in zone, you can keep eyes on the quarterback, you can react to things a little bit better. So I think that's part of it. I think the ability of guys like Judon and Barmore and Van Noy when he's allowed to blitz and rush the, rush the passer, Dante Hightower, to get pressure with four and five, it's creating some opportunities where there were interceptable balls, so to speak, you know, that the mm-hmm. secondary is unable to take advantage of. I also think, look, again, Sam Darnold, uh, a banged-up Baker Mayfield, like some of the quarterbacks they've played in recent weeks, have made some mistakes. You look at that Atlanta game where you've got Matt Ryan throwing two picks. Felipe Franks comes in, attempts his first NFL throw, and it gets picked. Josh Rosen mm-hmm. throws a pick six. Like they've also taken advantage, and it's similar to a couple of years ago. You know when they were beating up on some struggling quarterbacks, and then when they started playing good teams, it kind of fell apart. And so you know I think there's a couple of things at work here, Meerkat. And look, Josh mm-hmm. Allen's a different beast, right? Like Josh Allen is a much different quarterback. As you guys know, I, I watch all these guys. Allen's one of the first guys I sit down and watch every Monday because he's just unlike almost any other quarterback in this league. So I think the the interceptable throws kind of thing won't be the issue Monday night if this team gets some picks. It's going to have to start with pressure up front. Yeah, that's one thing that does scare me a bit because in the past few weeks with you know some of the woes we've had on our offensive line, Allen under a little more pressure, you've seen him start to force some more throws here and there. I know the first interception last week was one I wish he didn't throw, um, and that's just something that does scare me. Going, you know, you, you see the nose for the football in this secondary this year at the Patriots and Matthew Judon. I, I just pray our offensive line is ready to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, in looking at Josh Allen this year as opposed to last year, the numbers are very similar. I, I think the difference to mm-hmm. me is, you know, last year he was blitzed, counted the postseason 280 times. It was most in the NFL. This year, I just looked it up today, he's blitzed, he's been blitzed 19th most, but there's still, he's top five in pressures faced. He's like yeah. top five or so in pressure percentage, top five in hits. I yeah. mean, I think in both hits and, and pressures, he's second just to Kirk Cousins. Teams have been able to get pressure with four against Buffalo, which obviously opens up a lot of things from that. It's one thing when you're pressured a quarterback playing man coverage and he can just find Beasley on a crosser or Diggs on a crosser. It's another when you're getting pressured and you're facing drop seven, drop eight. That makes life a lot tougher. So even though Allen's numbers when pressured 
are similar to what they were last year. It's just pressure of a different beast, which is making it yeah. tougher on them. And New England has that ability to get pressure with four. Some you look at that Jacksonville game. Jacksonville got pressure with four, and so you know that's something that look you know if New England's able to do that Monday night, if they can get pressure with four, I'll feel good about their chances. But if they can't and they start having to blitz and play man coverage behind it, that's when I get nervous. Adding on top of what Meerkat was saying, what do you think the the reality of this Patriots defense is? Obviously, uh, they've been very good this season. They've been capitalizing off of takeaways. Uh, Matthew Judon has just been an X factor on the line, getting a ton of pressure. But you also mentioned uh, they've been – taking advantage of some poor quarterbacks, some teams undermanned, and even Tennessee last week was able to run the ball very effectively without Derrick Henry with two guys getting over 100 yards. Uh, If you were the Bills and Josh Allen, how do you uh, exploit this Patriots defense? How do you you come to play on Monday night? Yeah, it's a great question, Mike. And and a lot of it, Mike, look, Kyle Duggar, their second-year safety, he just popped up on the COVID list, and that's going to be something to watch because he's taken a huge stride forward from last year to this year in terms of just playing against you know players in the secondary. I mean, everybody knew going into that Thursday night game that Atlanta, without Cordell Patterson, without Calvin Ridley, they're going to try to get the ball to Kyle Pitts. First time they threw to him it was Kyle Duggar. They just said, I, I, I expected double coverage. I expected brackets. I expected a bunch of stuff. They just put Kyle Duggar on Kyle Pitts and said, look, you're going to cover him, kid. And he did a pretty good job of it. But him potentially being out will be a problem for New England because, look, if I'm Brian Dable, I want to spread New England out. Look, I want to spread New England out. I want to get guys like Hightower. I want to get guys like Jawan Bentley, if he's on the field, who's great against the run. I want to get them in space. You know, I want to really spread them out, try to create opportunities for one-on-one situations. You know, if you try to condense things against New England, that's where they want to be, you know, because they rely on their defensive front. There's guys at the, the second level, the linebackers, to do so much more. If they're having to walk outside the box, you're going to be able to create some plays against them. And you could also look, get try to get Matt Breida going a little bit on the interior spread to run. And so that's what I think Brian Dable is going to do on Monday night. Now, obviously, look, weather might play a factor. You know, if it is snowing, you might not want to do that as much. But I think that is what worries me, particularly if Duggar is out. You know, because then you start wondering how you're going to play matchups. You know, are you going to stay in two high shells? Are you going to start playing more man coverage? And so, you know, the Buffalo spreading it out is something that gives me a little concern thinking about Monday night. Who's going to take the 50 snaps from Duggar? Like I mean, that's a huge question, Kevin. I mean, you you look at it, it might be a situation where they try, you know, they move Adrian Phillips around a little bit because he's been playing more of that box-type role, that Patrick Chun-type role, where they've really mm-hmm. used Duggar as more of a, a too-high safety, uh, buzz safety coming down into the box a little bit. But it's really been Phillips who's been doing that sort of Patrick Chun linebacker-esque type safety role. Now, if Duggar is out, they might sort of put Phillips there. You know, they've used Juwan Williams, who was a corner in college. They've used him as a sort of pseudo safety at times. Justin Bethel has gotten some snaps as well. They've Miles Bryant, very undersized player who's more of a corner for them. You might see him kind of take on that role, but that would be a huge loss if Duggar can't go. I mean, there's no mistake in it. Like from New England's perspective, that would be a huge loss because they use, they ask him to do so much from playing half field safety. They'll put him as a single high safety. They'll bring him down into the box. There will be times he's out of linebackers depth. Depth. They'll use him on tight ends. He's become a critical focus of that back half of the defense. If he's out, it's going to be a tough replacement thing that the Patriots will have to deal with. Yeah, you're taking three interceptions off the field um, as well, and um, 
you know, a key. I remember last year, actually, you said there's not a ton to play for. I want to see more Duggar. I remember yeah. that maybe I, I don't remember mm -hmm. if it was game one or game two, but it was definitely it was one two. of the two games. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I want to see him. They're not playing him. And I remember you specifically saying they're not playing him as much as he should be. Obviously, Belichick decided to listen to Mark. Um, I mean, and... I'm sure he listens to the show, guys. I mean, yeah, of course. He was, he was, Especially you know, your probably stuff. In the chat room, listening, you know, and, and sending in some questions to you guys. But you never I mean, know. you're right. I, it, he's made some huge strides. I mean, the two players that I think have kind of impressed me the I'll say three because I think Christian Barmore, the rookie yeah. out, of, out of Alabama, has been huge for them. And a lot of stuff that they do up front sort of stems from him. He's seen doubles and triples at times. Um, so he's been huge. Juwan Bentley, obviously, look, most of what he does is against the run. But you can find him, you know, against Atlanta where it's against play action. He's get it underneath that crosser and doing the things that he needs to do. And then Duggar, the huge strides that he's taken this year. I mean, from where he was last year, which was supposed to be his carry the bags for Patrick Chun season and learn a little bit. Well, Chun opted out. He had to take on a big role and took on a bigger role down the stretch. Thankfully, that put him in a position to be really good this year. And so, you know, those three guys have really been a key part of what they've done. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's he's a big part to the defense. And I mean, it was funny because there was talk the Bills really were after this big nickel at one point. And both him and Chin turned yeah. into be pretty good football players. And yeah. at the time, Bills fans were like, eh, where do we find the fit here? Are we going to waste a second round pick on this early second, mid second? You know, um, you know, what are they going to do? And um, it is interesting to see both players kind of come into their own um, off of, you know, one different levels of college football, but not at the yeah. highest level for either of them. Right. Um, so that's interesting to see them both really develop as, as these hybrid box safety linebacker guys that can cover tight ends. So um, missing him in coverage, how, how is that going to affect them against a Dawson Knox? Like what's the plan? Not even against, and, and I've also on, on the second note, I've also seen new England struggle against the running back in the pass game. So what's going on there? Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it is like when you, you've got zone coverage, you know, obviously you can take away stuff deep down the field, but it creates creases underneath for tight ends yep. to find soft spots. And Dawson Knox is very good at doing that. So so that will be an issue. And then, look, you know, when you're in zone coverage, you're going to have those no cover zones where you've got backs. Kind of work room space to operate because if you're in the flat or on a swing route, you know, you're not going to cover that unless it's five yards or more downfield. And so you get a catch, space to operate, make a defender miss. You can create some opportunities for running backs out of the backfield against zone coverage. So, you know, if they stay in zone, obviously, look, I, I think with respect to the tight end, you'll see a lot of Adrian Phillips sort of in that general area. You know, if they decide to go more man, that's going to create situations where you've got high tower perhaps in coverage or Van Noyen coverage on backs. Maybe it's Phillips on, on Dawson Knox. But I still think, guys, that they will try to stay zone because the other thing is, and and Bill Belichick talked about it already. Some of the Patriots players have talked about it or at least hinted at it. You have to worry about Josh Allen's leg. Uh, and, and the Patriots have seen that before when these two teams played. Like Josh Allen has been able to, even when he was younger, like pull it down and run and make some plays against them. I don't think Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick want to see that. Like that's another reason why I think you want to play more zone against them because you can keep eyes on him. Like there's nothing more deflating for a defense when you get a team to say, third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, you've got everybody covered, but 17 goes 15 yards and now it's first and 10. And you, instead of getting off the field, now you're suddenly in your own territory. And so I, I think that will also be a reason we see this continued trend of man coverage on Monday night. I mean, excuse me, zone coverage. 
I'm not sure if anyone else has anything left on the defense, but I want to transition over the uh, to the offense of the Patriots. And before we get into MJ10, I saw that little copy right today. It could be Mac10, MJ10, whatever. But yeah. I want to talk about the running backs. I love Damian Harris coming into this season, but I was like, Ramon J. Stevenson could be a guy. I remember that Cotton Bowl performance. It's all I could think of. Just absolutely tore it up in that game. You got him in what, like the fourth round, I believe. Yeah. I'm like, that could be a sneaky pick light usage throughout the beginning of the season but the past few weeks despite that concussion I mean he's looked very legitimate now is there questions like who is the RB1 is that even a concern or are you guys just enjoying having both of them for the time and figuring it out game by game yeah I mean it, that's always been sort of the who is the RB1 question yeah. in New England all the times I've been on with you guys and you guys ask it's like I, I don't know it's always been sort of a game by game approach you know yeah. to decide look you know we're going to be more zone, outside zone, wide zone heavy. It might be a Harris day if they decide, look, it's going to be more inside zone duo, gap, wham, trap. It might be more of a Ramondre Stevenson game. But they're going to find ways to get both of those guys involved. And we all know, look, I mean, that's where they want to hand their hat on offense. Right? Like they want mm-hmm. to run the football. Yeah. Everything they do sort of flows off of that play-action passing game, the screen game, the downfield throws that they will sort of dial up at times for Mac Jones. It begins with – running the football and look i'm sure they saw the Colts game and they saw look you know there's an opportunity to run now i know some guys will be back that weren't there against indianapolis which mm-hmm. will change the calculus for sure but they want to be a running football team and it's very much the recipe that they had at the start of the brady era which was we'll rely on defense run game short ball control passing game we don't want mac jones to have to do a ton you know we want him to execute the things he's asked to execute at a high level but we're not going to force him to make downfield reads uh, on multiple complex route combinations. No, I mean, we're, we're going to try to simplify things for him and bring him along as we need to. And so whether it's Harris, whether it's Stevenson, that's probably more of a, a game time approach, you know, mm-hmm. watching that Colts offense, which is they did a lot of stuff schematically in the run game. It would make me think it would be Stevenson. Some, some of the traps, some of the power, some of the man stuff mm-hmm. that they were doing makes me think that would be a Stevenson game, but I've tried to predict how Bill Belichick and Joshua Daniels used their running backs before. It's never gone right for me. So having said Stevenson, it might be 60 carries from Damian Harris Monday night. Yeah, who knows? We might get a six-reception, 80-yard game out of Brandon Bolden with yeah, how I things mean, are going right now with that backfield. Yeah, That's the, the most tell. surprising thing. Yeah. But and I guess defense gets Star Latule back, too, at yeah, Oliver. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing because I was actually chatting with Nate Gary about it. And, you know, with Ed Oliver and his ability to penetrate, like, the Colts certainly used that against him. They were trapping him. They were influencing him. They were whamming him. But with Star, it's a different with him back. And the, two, the way those two work, New England might look at that and say, okay, we're going to go more inside zone. We're going to go more duo, like the trap stuff, the crunch and all that. We probably don't want to do that with both of these guys in the lineup. Yeah. I got a two-part thing for you. Number one, you mentioned how it's been a simplified uh, approach for Mac Jones so far. Obviously, the Patriots know how to run the ball. They have some solid weapons. But how have they been able to be so successful consistently with such a simplified approach at quarterback? And number two, uh, it's obvious that the media wants the the hype train back behind New England. It's good for ratings. It's it's good for stories. have Patriots fans bought into, uh, I guess, the recent hype? And where are their thoughts on Mac Jones uh, compared to where, I guess, the media is 
talking him up on a on a daily and weekly basis right now. Let me put it this way, Mike. The the New England fans have certainly bought into Mac Jones to the point where I, I do a series over at SB Nation where I break down Mac every week on YouTube. And most of the comments are either of the this guy's awesome variety or you should apologize because you wanted Justin Fields instead of Mac Jones in the draft variety. Because I did. I mean, I, I, I had Justin Fields graded higher, but Patriots fans have fully bought into this guy. As a matter of fact, I mean, a member of my family, my own mother, on Thanksgiving Day during dinner was like, do you think he's the next Brady? Please tell me he's the next Brady. And so <laughs> like, there's a lot of excitement about this kid in New England, believe me. Um, but in terms of how they've sort of solidified and simplified the offense for him, I, I think his relationship with two different players, Kendrick Bourne and, and Hunter Henry, is a big part of it. Um, he seems to be on the same page with both of those guys. And the thing about Jones and how this offense is sort of working right now is he's willing to take what you'll give him, you know. And early in the season, there was a lot of discussion about average depth of target and he's not pushing the ball downfield. And there's some truth to that. There have been moments when there, there were opportunities to push it downfield and he didn't. I think in recent weeks, he's had some opportunities to do it and he actually did. You know, we had a throw to Aguilar against the Chargers, a touchdown yeah. to Bourne early against the Cleveland Browns, which is sort of a coverage. But if you're going to give him a shallow crosser on third and six, he'll throw it and take it and hope his guy makes a, a play after the catch. If you're going to give him a route to the flat on first and 10, he'll throw it and take it. Um, he's a point guard right now. You know, that's what they're asking mm-hmm. him to be. They're asking him to be a point guard, not a shooting guard. You know, just distribute the ball. You know, we're going to run concepts which, you know, will stress one area of the field. We're going to run concepts that might stress one defender in particular, make that read and, and get it out. And the other thing that's interesting about Jones is he's very good. He's not a super athletic quarterback, obviously. And there have been some protection breakdowns and some sacks, which I think he could have done a better job identifying pressure points pre-snap or confirming or not confirming those post-snap um, that he missed. Mm-hmm. There was a sack against Atlanta where he missed uh, a situation like that on a backside safety blitz. But if he knows pre-snap that you're bringing pressure and where it's coming from, he's comfortable enough to beat you. You know, there was a play against Atlanta where they blitzed the strong safety, Jerron Harmon, right up the middle. He had free run at him, and he just sort of backpedaled, drew him in, and then wafted this pass over his head that went for a first down to move the chains. Like, if you could get him to ignore or miss you pre-snap and blitz from that area, you'll you'll probably get to him. He's, he's not going to escape. Um, but if he has the opportunity to identify that pressure look pre-snap, he can make you pay for it. And I think that's been part of his development where I kind of expected it because of the, the, the way he plays and some of the plays he had at Alabama, that I thought this would be how he'd handle pressure as a rookie. So I'm kind of not surprised by it. But I do think that he's made some NFL defenses pay. So I'm curious to see what Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott decide to do from a pressure standpoint. Will they blitz him? Will they not? How do they handle it? And if they do blitz him, are they going to try to do it off the edges where maybe he doesn't see it coming and you can get to him pretty quickly in the down? And yeah, I have one I more thing, that, Kev, if you don't mind, just one more yeah, thing, Mac. Um, so, obviously, he's having a tremendous rookie year. I don't want to take anything uh, away from him. He's been a lot better than I, than I expected early in his career. He's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very accurate. Uh He's just ahead of where the other rookie quarterbacks are right now. My next thing for you is, is that a product of Josh McDaniels being the OC and just having accuracy? Because obviously Cam Newton, who was an accomplished quarterback, was in the Patriots system, couldn't make it work. And the second thing is, 
we know he's smart. We know he has the accuracy. What is, I guess, the ceiling uh, for him? Because obviously his floor is a good starting quarterback in the NFL. But does he have that ceiling to get to, I guess, elite status down the road? Uh, if people are already talking about him possibly being Brady-like, uh, obviously right. we know it's too soon uh, to talk like that. But where, where can he guide uh, yeah. the Patriots down the road? Yeah, Mike, I, I think that's the, the million-dollar question with him. I was talking with somebody in the league just a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be surprised about how he's playing now. Talk to me in three years. Like, talk to me in three years because that's this right now shouldn't really be the surprise, right? The argument, the pro Mac argument was he's the solid guy with this good floor. Like, he might not bust like the other guys potentially could bust, but you know, you're going to get at least an okay quarterback out of them. This part shouldn't be the surprising part. What's going to be interesting is the ceiling part because for many, like, look. Mac Jones was like a Kirk Cousins, a Jimmy Garoppolo. And maybe that's still his ceiling, which is, like you sort of said, a quarterback that you win games with. But he's not somebody that's going to drag a team, kick it and screaming to an NFL championship, to a Super Bowl title. Like, I don't, I don't see those guys doing it. And if that's Mac's ceiling, still, it's still a good quarterback that you can win games with, but you're going to need things to be right around him. I think the question now becomes, from how quickly he's acclimated to the NFL game and what we're seeing from him right now, is his ceiling more that of say a, a Matt Ryan, perhaps? Like he obviously had a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl run of his own, didn't mm-hmm. win, but won the MVP that year. And could you see him having that kind of career arc? Now maybe he never gets there, and Jones is just sort of your like top 15, 12 type of quarterback. And I think the Wingles would take that, um, but you would need things to be right around him. Now in terms of you know how, how he's doing it, I, I do think the accuracy. I do think the ball placement and I do think the sort of quick decision-making is a big part of it. Like this is an offense that it does rely on that point guard type of quarterback. Like we are going to get guys open, get matchups created via formation, motion, whatever, and then try to exploit them. It's going to be predicated on yardage after the catch, which needs that from the quarterback, quick decisions, good ball placement, and things like that. With Cam, Cam's a very violent thrower of the football. And he's just, a lot of torque, a lot of downfield stuff. Like yardage after the catch, that's not his best trait. This offense is predicated upon that. And I think Max's ability to sort of read through some things, pre-snap and post-snap, put the ball where it needs to be, when it needs to be there, and just sort of take what defenses are giving him. I think that's been critical to his success early on. You kind of already answered my next question. I was going to ask, has this offense been tailored to, you know, allow Mac to transition like that with especially the yards after the catch coming out of it? I mean, nearly half of his yards are yards after the catch. Not not something out of the ordinary, really. I think Patrick Mahomes might even have a higher percentage than this year. Allen, around like 35%. But you look at the Patriots' offense, how it's built with, you know, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, guys who will hold on to that football, can make things happen after the catch. Do you see the offense kind of staying that trajectory the next few years with Mac. I mean, given how he develops, but you see it in San Fran now with Jimmy Garoppolo, with these guys like Debo Samuel and such, where it's more like get the ball quickly and safely to them underneath and then let your receivers work. You you kind of already answered that with the ceiling talk, but do you just see that continuing to be the trend through him for his out his career where you I, almost have to tailor the offense to him to get, you know, the most out of it, which yeah. kind of given, but still is that almost a worry? 
I mean, it's not so much a worry. I mean, you can certainly be successful if you think about sort of the early Brady years, right? This is how that offense was really until basically the Randy Moss era where they decided to say, look, now we've got somebody that we trust downfield. We can open it up a little bit more. But prior to that, it was very much this offense predicated yardage after the catch, attacking short and intermediate, letting receivers work after the catch, but you need quick mm-hmm. decisions and good ball placement. And I, the one thing that's sort of puzzling to me, you know, I, I would have thought there'd be more in the RPO game, you know, because obviously yeah. Jones ran a ton of RPO stuff at Alabama. And, and interestingly enough, when they went RPO at Alabama, it was sometimes intermediate and deep that he would be attacking downfield. Mm-hmm. Like there would be almost second and third level RPO type stuff. And he was pushing the ball downfield to Waddle, to Smith, to Mechie, and to, to those talented Alabama receivers. They haven't incorporated that. And a lot of people, Evan Lazar and um, Mike DeBate and others have asked Josh McDaniels, like, why haven't you incorporated more RPO stuff into the offense? And McDaniels keeps telling us, look, you know, it's just not who we are. You know, this is their offense. And for all the talk about, you know, I've written about it, a lot of people have talked about it. Like when you draft a young quarterback, like run the offense that's best for him. New England said, look, this is our offense. We think Mac Jones might be the best at running it, but this is our offense and he's going to have to sink or swim running it. And so far he's done it pretty well. Now, long-term, look, I saw over the Brady era, like if you could figure out a game plan to take stuff away from him, push him to the boundaries, push him deep, like you could have success against him. So at some point, I think Mac Jones is going to have to be able to push the ball downfield a little bit more. He's been able to win right now with this offense, but at some point I think they will have to sort of open things up because if you can just sit on everything underneath, eventually defenses are going to find a way to close that down. Certainly. like, And I think – one of Sean McDermott's assets to the Bills until semi-recently with um, Trevor Lawrence is the ability, well, even even in that game, they, they the defense played very well. Um, the ability to take away the team's quarterback. They're very good at even Patrick Mahomes earlier this year. They finally put a defense together to stop some of the best quarterbacks. I think they'll implement something similar to Brady next week as well. But he's done, Sean McDermott, even when the Bills were average, like the years they broke the drought and you know, the 10 and 6 year when we're, Allen was still developing, He's really good at stopping mediocre or mediocre above average or last quarterback. It's his one of his best traits as a coach, him and Leslie Frazier's best traits as a coach. Does that worry you a little bit that he'll be able to scheme something? The Bills will still tell you they'll probably take the Patriots running at four yards a clip. They don't care about that. They think their offense is – they've proven this to me. They think their offense is good enough to win that game. It wasn't against the Jaguars for some reason. We still don't know why. Some of their runs, you know, they, they had some players out. Their offensive line was in shambles. Won't look like that this week. But the Bills will tell you they'll take they'll they'll gladly take that kind of game plan um, because they're confident in their offense. They're confident in Josh Allen. Does that worry you a little bit that at some point, outside of a, cat- a catastrophic Bills offensive line game, he's going to have to make plays? Like the Bills will will gladly take that. I mean, they were doing it really. That's what they've done all season, Mark. Yeah, and I, I think, look, that does ge- worry me generally about Mac Jones right now and specifically this week because at some point they might need him to throw to win. They might need him to sort of put that team on his back and have that kind of game, and we haven't seen him do it yet, so it, that's up in the air. And in, in games where they needed to throw the ball a bit more, I mean, early in the year, and I know they were still figuring things out, but that New Orleans game was not good. Um, even that Panthers game, like, it's not like Mac Jones played well. I mean, the defense got three interceptions and a pick six. I mean, that was a, a huge reason why. And so, you know, you look at this game, you look at the potential of this Bills offense to put up points, you look at the potential and perhaps the ability of 
you know, this defense was star back with Edmonds back to stack the box, put seven or eight, nine in the box and say, look, Mac Jones, throw it to beat us. You know, if we put nine guys in the box and you get four yards of carry a couple of times, we don't care because you're not going to be able, we'll still be able to stop the run and force you to beat us and prove to us that you can throw it to beat us. Until he does it, I'm going to be concerned about it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting game plan there because the Bills know, um, they think they're pretty confident offensively and really they stopped the run. Well, outside of the two best running backs in the league at full strength with great offensive lines dominating in weather conditions in Buffalo. Um, and without some of their best run stoppers, they got, it. they got the bills. They got them. They, they nipped them. They had a great game plan. Bills eventually started forcing missed punt return or kick return fumbles in the rain. I mean, in the snow, that's another debate, Mark. I got to get your real opinion on that too. What's your debate on if the Bills should put a put a roof on? Oh, don't like, don't ask me the roof question. Don't ask. I don't me know. Nate may even probably ask you it, but Bill, I don't. The Bills you'll make Twitter some people very angry and up. some people very happy. Yeah, Bills <laughs> Twitter has been tearing itself up over this over the past couple of weeks. I mean, I will say, as a guy that's you know soon to turn forty-five, I much rather watch games in a nice climate-controlled environment. Thank you, because yes. of my old bones. Um, so from a personal perspective, let me put it this way, Bills. Those fans, if you want to ever meet me at a Bills game, uh, a dome is a way to get me up there. I mean, <laughs> I'll say that right now. But, I mean, uh, when I was younger, man, I mean, uh, you love playing football in the snow. You love playing football in the element. So there's a part of me that's still nostalgic for that. But the older I get, man, I, I need it to be nice and toasty. My, my toes get cold. You're a quarterback guy. Aren't you someone that buys into the, the, the thinking that you should play this sport, one of the best sports, or if the best sport in the country – at optimal conditions, why would you let another team's game plan be dictated by the weather when your game I mean, plan's better? Look, look at these hands. They're tiny. Like, throwing in rain, ice, wind. That's like, interceptions that's, right there, Mark. I know you're throwing picks. picks. I'm throwing picks with these things. I mean, whenever hand, hand, QB hand size day pops up on the timeline, it's I'm the best. kind of doing the, the Homer Your RAS like, score is pretty low, Mark. It's like a <laughs> 0.0, Kevin, because this hand size. I mean, look, it's like a postage stamp. I mean, yeah. come on. So, yeah. yeah. Play, play in a nice climate-controlled environment where everything's Fair. nice and, and nice and warm and, and the ball's not getting wet and people are happy. Like, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the in, in your opinion because it's as, as an outsider, you know, yeah. perspective. I mean, you know, I, it, it, I understand the argument that, like, look, it's, it's in a sense an advantage, right? Like, you force teams like Miami to come up and play in Buffalo in, like, November, December or some other warmer weather teams. That's going to be something that they'll have to deal with. But at the same time, like, it forces you to do things from a roster construction standpoint as well. And so, yeah, I mean, I may have just alienated half of Bill's Twitter. But, <laughs> you have. I um, do every week, though. Every week the Bills, like the Colts game, I had, like, so many people on my side, and then I had half the fan base. Like, you're you're soft. Like, what are you talking about? They would have lost to the Colts anyways. But I'm like, you're missing the point. Like, it's not necessarily whether they would have lost to the Colts or not. They play in the they play in a dome, but they're a running team. It benefited them. Like, yeah. the weather benefited them. If they yeah. had – Look at, look at, they couldn't throw the ball either. Neither could Mitchell Trubisky. It wasn't Josh Allen. It was right. literally no one could throw the football. Like it was not possible to throw the football in that way. Well, why would you want your great passing quarterback, great passing offense to be limited there? I don't know. It's just my opinion, Mark, as you've invested 300 million into your quarterback. I don't know. Right. At some point, you make things nice for him. At some point, make things nice, put the roof yeah. on. But I'm interested to see the Pats game plan with running the ball because the Bills have been really good at stopping the run outside of two players. Do do the Patriots have the scheme? I, they might. And do they have the player? I don't know if they have the player that that will be able to get it done. So that's what's if they do, it it will bode well. 
um, yep. if they are able to figure it out. But if they don't, the Bills have been really good at stopping multiple different types of running backs. So um, just not the two best in the NFL and maybe right. potentially the two best to do it, you know, going forward. So yeah. that's that's what I'm after, Mark. Do you and that's my what I'm gonna leave you with. Do you is that do you think they have that running game? Because the Bills New England defense one and two in most things. Yeah. I mean sitting here right now I do. I mean I think look part of their struggles early in the year was they didn't have their five up front that they went into the season believing they would have. They've got them now. You know with Trent Brown back. Jakob Johnson their their fullback is a big part. It, it's very similar now sort of James Devlin era at the end of Brady's last run where they're a heavy 21 personnel team at times and they were doing a lot of stuff with him as well. You know, Jakob Johnson, he's a focal part to what they do running the football. And so I think with the five up front, Jakob as sort of the sixth offensive lineman in a way, they've got the offensive line to do it. And I think Harris and Stevenson are talented enough where, you know, they'll get what they can get, you know, in terms of these guys over in the polls up front. If that, is that going to be enough Monday night? With Star and Edmonds back, I, I think it's going to be tough. I think they can do it on paper, but similar to the Mac discussion from earlier, I need to see it happen. Fair. Yeah, that's that's fine with me. I think the Dolphins game is going to come back to haunt the Patriots because the Bills now have a little bit of room yeah. of margin in the division now that they were able to beat the Dolphins twice, obviously. As long as they split, I think the Bills are feeling fairly confident with Atlanta, the Jets still on the schedule. Um, Carolina is still on the schedule. A pretty who knows what's going to happen to that team without McCaffrey, yeah. um, um, and whatever Cam is or isn't. Um, so the Bills feel pretty confident as long as they can split with New England. Is that going to come back and bite them that stupid week one game? Miami is just always the bugaboo. I mean, it just always seems to be the bugaboo for New England. I mean, a couple of years ago, you had the hell, the Gronkowski sort of last play wasn't really a hell, Mary. Like, Miami is just that team that always gives New England fits. And, and to lose this one early, I mean, yeah, it, it, that could be the game where, I mean, I think that one or the Saints one, they'll look back. And if they Saints end up too, not yeah. winning the division or, gosh, missing out on the playoffs or something, they'll look at those two weeks and think, man, we could have done something differently. Like, that's that's what will stick in their craw. Yeah. They still have the schedule to get to the playoffs. These, te- I, I told my uh, someone I work with who's a Patriots fan, and I'm like, I said in week, like, three, I'm like, I think these teams could play in week uh, the first week of the playoffs. And yeah. it's it's not just a possibility. It's 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 there. Like, yep. it's there that this could be week a three-week affair, whether – I guess it doesn't really matter where it is. Right. Um, but factoring it could be in Buffalo, maybe even factoring it could be in New England. The odds that these two play each other is a three six, maybe the four five, yep. two seven. That's got to be pretty likely, Mark. Like, what, I think so. You think at, so? At this point, yeah. I mean, yeah. Now, obviously, look, th- this has been such a strange year where things could change. I mean, now look, Miami suddenly sneaking back into the playoff mix. Like, Raiders are still sort of hanging around. So who knows? But it wouldn't surprise me, like, if these two teams play a third game. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It look, I I think it would be fun because I'd probably get to come back on with you guys. Uh, you yep. will get three weeks with us. And there we go. F- the first one's obviously coming to a close here, Mark, but we need the last thing we need from you today. Beside Picasso's Pizza, get out there and get your Picasso's and your Outlet Liquor, your best cases in Buffalo. Mark, I need to know score prediction for the first, maybe first of three in the like wow. six weeks, seven week stretch. Give me the first prediction um, of the season, one of three. We're going to call okay. it for now. I, I think, guys, I'm going to go a bit homer here. I mean, That's fine. I, I'm going to have to be optimistic. I'll say New England 24-20, but look, these are always close games. I mean, after, obviously last year's second one was not, and we knew that one going in. But for the most part, look, these are teams that know each other. These are defensive and offensive staffs that know each other, know what they want to do. 
I mean, if weather's a factor, it's probably going to keep the score relatively low. New England's going to want to sort of grind it to a halt a bit. You know, maybe they get a turnover or something, get a short field. So I'm going to say New England 24-20. So you have it hitting the over by half a point. Mark. Right now. Right now. Okay, so you're right there I, flirting I mean, with once it. Once I log off here, I'm going to check the updated weather, the GFS, GFS, the uh, all those European yeah. models, and see what the weather <laughs> looks like. Might make it more of a 2016 or 17-14 kind of game if it does get ramped up in terms of that lake effect snow. And Vegas has a rat there right now at two and a half points too. Yeah. That's what do you think of that meerkat? Two and a half points. When I saw it at first, I was a bit excited. I'm like, the public's going to be all over new England, here, oh, yeah. which, you know, being against the public is always a good thing. The, the line going down now from three to two and a half, three and a half, some places, the three, uh, it looks good from like a betting perspective yeah. so far. But we're going to want to see where that sharp money really ends up because, you know, you want to be against the public. But I, I think the line's very reflective of what this game's going to be. I don't see a team winning by more than a touchdown. It, it's it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. I have been waiting for this game for weeks now, which probably shouldn't be paying attention in the past few games a little more, but just get me to December 6th. Yeah, that's right. Well, Mark, we always appreciate having you on, man. Thank you so much for spending a good, really good 40 minutes with us. So we appreciate that a lot. Um, and we got to get you on, you know, for the, I mean, probably pretty big, maybe even bigger um, game yep. up. And do you think that game gets flexed yeah. or no? I, I think so. I, okay. yeah. I mean, I got to think it gets flexed. I forget what the other options are, but especially Washington, Dallas. That NFC is going to look It went from sucking to being a game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that could be interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, depending on how this one goes, if this was a really good game, they're going to want to have that. At least a 4 o'clock yeah. game, yeah. yeah. All right, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. What do you work at? Just tell tell our Bills fans what you're working on, where they can yeah. inherit your stuff. Um, uh, you mentioned it, USA Today's Touchdown Wire. Um, also, uh, Pat's Pulpit, uh, the Scotia podcast, a couple of places over at SB Nation. But uh, most of the stuff is findable on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark Schofield, thank you so much for coming on here for the Bills. I know you have plenty of Bills visits to go to still. So Nate's love, got you somewhere. I absolutely love Bills Week, though, because mm. you guys they probably have, bombard you. Bills fans have welcomed me in, and, and I have so many Bills fans to tell me. Who do you have? Cover to. one, probably, right? Cover yeah, one. Do cover one later tonight. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, Bills fans, Bills show, hosts always tell me, like, you're the one Patriots fan that we can kind of tolerate. <laughs> Do you do Rockpile Report, too? Oh, I love those guys, Christian. Oh, uh, you do? Okay. I love those yep. guys. Yeah. Okay, so you really do do. You got each of our segments covered pretty yeah, You got right. the analytics I, I, guy. You got you got Drew. You got it all covered. I do. Um, so Mark, thank you week. so much. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We'll be in touch shortly. Love following Mark. Even as a Bills fan, guys, get out there, follow Mark. He's got really good stuff on the quarterbacks around the league, not just you even tweets about Josh Allen. So, um Get out there and find some of that. So I, I learn a thing or two from watching some of Mark's clips, mm -hmm. even around players around the league. So get out there, Mark. But from Picasso's Pizza and Outlet Liquors and those blo awesome block parties that we're going to get Mark to one of these Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we appreciate everybody um, from the Crowdices podcast. That's Meerkat and Mike Bunt. Good night now. <laughs>